Well, good morning, Oakwood Second Service. Glad you're here with us this morning. And for all those that are online, I just want to say thanks for being here and making it a priority uh, to be with us, even if it is online with the church family this morning as we uh, celebrate and lift high the name of Jesus. Now, uh, you are here this morning on the ground floor of a new opportunity. It's a new sermon series. Uh, it's going to be the next three Sundays. And we're going to be uh, talking about how we are called by God to be thankful Full. Now, usually when we say that word, we think of it as one word, right? Thankful, you know, with F-U-L. And, and we intentionally uh, broke this apart and said we're going to be thankful because we are to be characterized as a people who are full of thanks and adoration for God and full of gratitude in our hearts and that our lives should reflect that. And what I'm hoping to do in the next few weeks is we consider this, and as we come into the season of Thanksgiving, I think it's, it's, it's obvious that we need to be uh, thinking about this, is that when we are thankful people and we are grateful people, that's where we find true joy. That's where we can find true peace and that's where we can find ultimately contentment in our lives. And it's something I think that we all desire. Joy, peace, contentment. Those are good things. Those are things that you say, yes, I want that in my life. I want to pursue that in my life. We're going to be talking about ways to do that over the next uh, several weeks. So I'm glad that you're here uh, with us this morning. If you have your Bible this morning, I want you to turn it to 1 Thessalonians. And we're going to be in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. That will be our main passage for this morning. And uh, if you are uh, tech savvy and are in the app or, or on your tablet, uh, you can go to the Oakwood app, go to Sermon Notes, and all of the scriptures and notes will be there for you. Now, we're going to begin this morning in Leviticus chapter 7, but I don't need for you to turn there. The, the scripture will be on the screen. I really want you to uh, turn to 1 Thessalonians. But we're going to be uh, talking about and, and considering what does it mean to be a person that is thankful, and one of the ways that we do that is to count our blessings and to be a people that are mindful of how blessed we truly are. And it sounds so simple, and yet it's, it seems to be something that we lack in. Uh, it's a maturity thing. It's a, it's a growth thing. It's a sanctification type of thing that we uh, should be a people that are full of gratefulness and thankfulness. And if you think about it, those people are genuine, genuinely more positive in their lives, and those are the kind of people that you enjoy being around. You don't enjoy being around people that are, you know, negative all the time. And that's all that proceeds from their mouths. And that's where their mindset is. So uh, beginning with Leviticus chapter uh, 7, uh, I just want you to uh, take in this scripture. I know this is Levitical law. Uh, this is uh, God giving the law to the Israelites, his chosen people. But listen to what it says here. And, because there's something that I want, for, want us to consider this morning. This is what it says in Leviticus chapter 7, verse 11. And this is the law of the sacrifice of peace offerings, okay? So God is giving them rules here for how to offer a peace offering to the Lord. This is the law of the sacrifice of peace offerings that one may offer to the Lord. If he offers it for a thanksgiving, now we're going to pause there for a second, let me explain something. This is the first time that the word thanksgiving appears in the Bible, uh, which is why I, I brought us back to this. This is the first time you actually see this in Scripture, is in Leviticus chapter 7. And, and so what I was doing is, is I was looking at this and, and seeing that it was here with some peace offerings and some things that I'd read that kind of led me to this. And then it got me thinking, you know what, as we read throughout Scripture, not only in Leviticus 7, but you know, in the rest of the Old Testament, even into the New Testament, well, what is it? it? Like, is there some kind of a correlation here uh, between being thankful 
and, and having peace. So, so, so keeping that in the back of your mind, uh, let's go on here. It says, if he offers it for thanksgiving, then he shall offer with the thanksgiving sacrifice unleavened loaves mixed with oil, unleavened wafers smeared with oil, and the loaves of fine flour well mixed with oil. With the sacrifice of his peace offerings for thanksgiving, he shall bring this offering with loaves of leavened bread. Now we can kind of get caught up in Levitical law and be like, okay, what is all these rules about bread and how we make the bread? The bread's got to have oil in it. And then we have, you know, leavened bread and then we have unleavened bread. And then what if they make it into a wafer? But I want you to consider that the first time the Thanksgiving is mentioned in the scripture, it is tied to a peace offering. And it's interesting to me that this idea might be that being thankful to God, as mentioned in Scripture, would also be something that would bring us peace. I mean, could that be a thing? Could it be a thing that if we are grateful to God, we have more peace in our life? That if we are really thankful and grateful to God, that that brings in a type of peace that maybe surpasses human understanding. A deep peace, a peace that can only come from on high and come from knowing our Lord. Could it be that one that receives peace from God is someone who is thankful? And could it be that one who doesn't have the peace of God reigning in their life, could it be because they are not thankful to God? They're always wanting something else, something different, or something more. And they just can't find the satisfaction with where they're at. So let's consider this question this morning. Does thankfulness lead to peacefulness? And, and maybe even more than that, and, and this is why throughout Scripture I think we see this theme, are we to be thankful regardless of our circumstances? Are do we be a people that is just grateful for, for God and we're looking at all the blessings He's done in our life in spite of what may be going on right now? In spite of a pandemic, in spite of all of the you know, ways that we felt like we've been restricted or that life's been turned into turmoil this year, in spite of the outcome of any election, in spite of what may be going on with your job, what may be going on in your marriage, what may be going on with your finances, that in spite of all that, God is saying that we're to be thankful, that we're to be grateful. I know that these are really, if we think about it, deep things to consider. Is there some kind of correlation here? And is there something God has for us to learn? I want to now turn to our main passage in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And just to give you a little background, this is one of the letters that Paul wrote uh, to the churches. And uh, this one's to uh, the Christians in the church in Thessalonica. And uh, the, the, main, uh, the main part and the main point of emphasis uh, for First Thessalonians was that people would be encouraged to follow Christ and to be encouraged and lifted up no matter what their circumstances are. Uh, because some of them were, 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 were uh, you know, being persecuted at that time. Some of them you know, felt like the world was coming against them. And they needed to be lifted up. They needed to be encouraged. So let's, let's read this verse, uh, these verses. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16-18. Now, I know that some of you are like, man, I have a hard time memorizing Scripture. And if I were to say, hey, you should memorize 1 Thessalonians 5, 16-18, then you'd probably say, no way, that's three verses. Okay, let's see if you can do verse 16. Here we go, okay? Verse 16, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Rejoice always. 
Hey, can you say that? Rejoice always. All right, so you already got it down. So you, okay, that's encouraging. All right, let's go to verse 17. Let's see if we memorize two verses this morning. Pray continually. Pray continually. That's it. Well, those are nice short verses, right? Rejoice always. Pray continually. Go home now and be you know, bragging in your deep Christianity there. You know, and I memorized two verses in the service today about rejoice always. Pray continually. Let's get to verse 18 because it's not really a long one, but it says, Give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus rejoice always pray continually and give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus something interesting about those three verses being put together here is is we're getting to the end of the letter right we're getting toward the end, and toward the end, a lot of times, Paul would like to summarize and offer some, some words of wisdom, and, and I implore you to do these things. And then all of these things he mentions here have this continuation, this theme of continuation, that you are to rejoice always, always rejoicing. The, the second one, that you are to pray continually, gives this idea of that it's not going to cease. So you're rejoicing always, you're praying always. And then it says, give thanks in all circumstances. And so uh, the, 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 this is all tying together, that we're to always be thankful, that we're to always be praying, that we're to give thanks in all of our circumstances in life. And you may say, well, why? Why? Because this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And if you're one of those people that, man, I just wish I knew God's will for my life, I just wish I knew if God wanted me to do this, God wanted me to do that. This is what God wants you to do, okay? He wants you to rejoice always, to pray continually, and to give thanks in all circumstances. That's His will for you who are in Christ Jesus. It's pretty simple. And yet, I think if we give an honest reflection this morning, this might be a struggle. And yet, these words are to encourage you. In fact, if you were to, to say, well, what is the theme of this book, uh, 1 Thessalonians, I, I, if you flip back just a few verses to uh, chapter 5 in verse 11, if you could like maybe summarize up the whole book in a verse, this, this, this would be a good part of what the book's about. It says, therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as, in fact, you are doing. But this is meant to be an encouragement to you. That This will be an encouragement to you if you live it out in your life. Because I know that we read that and we say, ah, so simple to rejoice always, to pray continually, to give thanks in all circumstances. That is what, that is God's will for us. That's what he wants us to do. But it's only possible in Christ Jesus. It's only possible with the help of the Holy Spirit. It's only possible when we focus on the Lord. I want you to consider uh, several things about this this morning. And the first one is this. I want us to understand and acknowledge that authentic thanks is always in all things because God uses all things to develop us. Okay, let me say that again. Authentic thanks is always in all things because God uses all things to develop us. He uses all things to develop us. So we are to give be a, a grateful and a thankful person in all circumstances because he uses all circumstances to develop us. Let, let me explain uh, what I mean by this. It, let, let's go back to Deuteronomy chapter, or uh, to Leviticus chapter 7 that we read earlier. When he's given us the rules there, he's talking about making bread. When you make bread, there's several parts to making bread. Okay, you got to have some flour, 
right? Uh, God was specific, I think, in, Le- in Leviticus chapter, chapter 7 there. Uh, he wanted it mixed with oil, and he wanted it to be fine flour, specifically. And God's a specific God. He's interested in the details and in the finite, and so it's not unusual for him to give very, very specific instructions to his children. And so he, wa- he wants it to be made with fine flour, and, and maybe when you're doing that, maybe you've got a little bit of salt that, that, that's in the mixture there to help with the taste a little bit. Sometimes you make a sweetened bread. It's got some kind of sweetener in there, maybe a little bit of sugar in the bread. And then, of course, you have to have the oil um, in the bread. And, and then maybe there's things, you know, like that go in there like yeast. Like maybe you use yeast, maybe you don't because, you know, it's whether it's leavened bread or unleavened bread in the Scripture. And so you, you begin putting all of these ingredients together. And apart from being together in the bread, it's like, oh, you know, I don't necessarily just want to eat salt. You know, I'm just going to eat plain flour. I mean, it's just kind of gross, right? But you consider that you bring all of these things together and you begin to knead it together and, and, and to make that dough and then to put it in the oven and bake it, the result is wonderful, right? It's like we have bread, unleavened bread, leavened bread, however you made it, you know, with all, whatever ingredients that are in it. The ingredients by themselves are not good, but the end result is good and edible and people like it. And it, and it can be really good. And, and I want you to consider this morning the same thing in our lives, that, that when we can sit here and say, hey, authentic and genuine things is always in all things because uses, God uses all things to develop us, that God will take all of the circumstances and all the things going on in your life and he begins kneading those together and he wants it to produce this end result that is good. He wants, us, he wants to take, oh, you know, well, what about this pain that I'm going through in my life? Oh, I'm going to use that. Put it in. Well, what about this circumstance that I don't like? What about this relationship that's, that's, gone, that's gone south? What, what about the circumstance in my finances? What about my, my marriage issue? But also, what about these good things that in my small group I'm really growing now and I'm understanding the Bible more than I ever have? And yes, God says yes, all of that. The good and the bad and the ugly and the stuff that tastes great and the stuff that I would never use in, in a recipe. Even We're going to put it all together and God is sitting there and he's needing that and he's saying, I'm using all of those things. And then maybe we could consider when we read 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, rejoice always, pray continually, and give thanks in all circumstances. All the circumstances, even the bad ones? I mean, even with what's going on in my life right here that I hate, I detest it, I want it gone, I want it destroyed. Yes, even in that circumstance, we're going to knead it in, we're going to put it in with all the rest of the ingredients, and we're going to begin kneading this dough, and it's going to bake something awesome. And God says, I'm going to use all circumstances, even the ones that are painful, even the ones you don't like, even the ones you wish, man, just wish this could be over. God says, hey, I'm going to use that too. I'm going to produce something wonderful. And when we have this kind of perspective that God's going to bring about this great result in the end, we can be thankful and grateful people. And let me tell you what happens is it changes your perspective. It switches from negative to positive. It changes your perspective, and now that I'm trusting God more, it completely changes your your perspective. So authentic thanks is always in all things. That's how we say it. You know, say in every circumstance, yet in every, all circumstances, we're going to give thanks to the Lord. You know, the Apostle Paul writes this, and I'm like, well, who's Paul to talk, right? I mean, Paul went through a lot in his life. Paul had all kinds of circumstances that weren't desirable. And yet, Paul's the one that champions this be joyful, pray continually, you know, be thankful in all of your circumstances. Rejoice. I will say it again. Rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord. And he writes this all throughout the New Testament because he knew what it meant 
to go through some things. Let me just share some of those with you really, really quickly. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, it says that Paul began to boast about his sufferings, his weaknesses, and the things he didn't like in his life. And this is what he says, are they servants of Christ? And then he and then it has in parentheses here, I'm out of my mind to talk like this, because he's going to kind of act like he's bragging, like, well, man, you think you've been through something. Look what I've been through. And he says, you know, it's like foolishness to do this, but I'm going to do this to prove a point to you that it's all dependent on Jesus Christ and what he can do in my life. So he says, are they servants of Christ? I'm out of my mind to talk like this. I am more. I'm more a servant of Christ than them. And this is what he says. He says, I have worked much harder. I've been in prison more frequently. I've been flogged more severely and been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers. I've been, been in danger from bandits. I've been in danger from my fellow Jews. I've been in danger from the Gentiles. I've been in danger in the city. I've been in danger in the country. In danger at sea. And in danger from false believers. I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food and I have been cold and naked. And besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all of the churches. Who is weak and I do not feel weak? And who is led into sin and I do not inwardly burn? But if I must boast, I will boast of the things that show my weaknesses. And then Paul goes on to explain after He's bragging about his weaknesses that it's only because of Jesus Christ he's able to accomplish much for the kingdom. It's only because of Jesus Christ taking all of these circumstances, shipwrecks and stonings and persecution that Paul went through and God begins to put it in, in the ingredients and he begins to need this beautiful thing to a man that writes most of the New Testament. And he goes through all of those things and, and, and folks, don't, don't get me wrong, it wasn't just like, hey, Paul, you're in the wrong place at the wrong time. Poor you. No, no, no. He was being persecuted for his faith in Jesus Christ. He, he went through and suffered all these things because he loved Jesus so much and was crazy about spreading his name to the world. And so it's in those circumstances that this man can pen something like 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and we stand back and go, oh, he must have known what he meant because of what he had been through when he says, rejoice always. Always, even when you're at the open sea just floating amok for a day and a night with sharks around and, you know, I mean, you had that Jonah thing, the whale could have come up and taken you out, Paul. You know, you're probably hungry and cold. He's been starved, he's been naked, he's been stoned, he's been persecuted, people are after his life. And he says, rejoice always. Really? Pray continually and give thanks to God in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Authentic thanks is always in all things because God uses all things to develop us. And if you're in a situation right now in your life and you feel like, man, you don't know what I've been through. You don't know what pain I'm in. You don't know what I'm going through right now. You don't know the situation that I'm in. I don't think Paul's going to qualify it and say, unless that happens to you. No, he's going to say, rejoice always. And give thanks in all of your circumstances. Because God is needing together something beautiful on the other side. 
The second thing this morning I want us to consider is that the person that counts blessings discovers that they're more blessed than they knew. A person that will actually count blessings, they will find out that they're really more blessed than they thought. They're, they're, they're more blessed than they ever knew. And, and this is an old concept. We have an old hymn we sing in the church. It talks about count your blessings. Name them one by one. Count your blessings. See what God has done. And sometimes I think we forget. We don't consider that. That, that we should be counting our blessings. We don't consider who God is and what He's done for us. We we have a hard time focusing because we get caught up in all the negative things and, and what's wrong and, and, and this is happening to me and that's happening to me and, and then I'm having to do this and I don't like this and, I, you know, and we get caught up in all that and, yes, and yet there's God there saying, you know what, count your blessings. Consider your blessings. And just like the old hymn, I wonder, what if we actually did that? What if we actually wrote down and made a list of blessings? And, and you were to consider, man, I have a car that works and bonus, it's got air conditioning and heating. I, you know, I, I, I have a church family with friends, relationships there. That if I really need prayer, I need someone to lean into. God's provided that for me. You know, I have a, I have a roof over my head that doesn't leak. What a blessing that is. In fact, I, in my house, I have climate control, air conditioning, and heating for when it's hot or cold outside. And I have food in my refrigerator and have running water in my house and I have electricity even after the you know, the ice storm, and I have all of these things, and you start counting them, and it's like, I just named six or seven. What if you made a list? What if you, like, really legit made a list? There was a lady named Ann Voskamp. I don't know if any of you are familiar with her, but she's a writer and a conference speaker, and she's written some books, and one of her books she wrote was called 1,000 Gifts, and in this book, the challenge was that you would actually make a list of 1,000 gifts that God has given you, 1,000 blessings in your life. Now, you know, you think about that, you're like, oh, you know, that's like, Ultra Christian, you know, I mean, that's really out there because, you know, like a Christian would do like a hundred gifts, right? But this lady, like, let's go over the top with Jesus. Let's go a thousand. I mean, thousands a lot. Think about that. I mean, that's writer's cramp type stuff, okay? I mean, a hundred, yeah, okay. A thousand, but she did it. She begins this, this, this journey and she has this journal and she begins to write every day and consider. And I wonder if you did that, you know, mine would begin with, I have a great spouse. I love my wife and I am blessed. Blessing from the Lord. I have a great family. I love my, love my girls. You know, and, and maybe it's some, some things like, you know, physical needs that God's given us that we have a house and we have, we have a car and, uh, you know, we have food and all those things. But, you know, what about the, the, the deep relationships in your life? What, what about the fact that you could go home and, 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 and you can wash your clothes and you don't have to do it by hand? You have a washer and a dryer. Some of you, some of you have a dishwasher. You know, just throw the dish. I mean, this is little things like that, that when you take a step back and say, you know what, that's a blessing from the Lord. I enjoy that. I use that every day of my life. I, I would be, you know, I would be put out if my dishwasher didn't work or if my washing machine broke or if my fridge was out of order and I couldn't keep food cold or whatever it is, if my car didn't work. If it, and you, you begin to just, it just changes your heart toward the Lord. And you begin to find this place of gratitude, which I wonder may lead to more peacefulness and hope in your life because you took the time to count some gifts. When Ann Voskamp struggled with that, she was sitting around the kitchen table with her family, and she has quite a large family, lots of kids, and uh, she was just in a dark season, uh, just, just not feeling good about life, frustrated, 
um, just, just kind of in a bad place. We can all get there sometimes. And she was sharing that with the family, being open and transparent around the dinner table. And one of her kids said, hey, mom, I know a book that you should read. It's called 1,000 Gifts. And, and what you do is, is you, you actually list the blessings of God in your life, and it totally changes everything. It makes you so much more grateful and thankful, and I think it'll change your whole perspective. And I mean, you talk about that. Don't you hate that as a parent when your kids like throw stuff like that back in your face? But, it, you know, the, the story goes that she did it. She went back and considered writing a thousand gifts and seeing how blessed she was, and it totally changed the way that she had peace and hope and joy in her life. I think Paul had to be one of those people. Had to be. You read 2 Corinthians chapter 11, all that he went through, and then he writes stuff like rejoice always, pray continually, and be, give, give thanks, be thankful in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Third thing I want us to consider this morning is that counting your blessings is counterintuitive. Okay? Counting your blessings is counterintuitive. It is not natural for you to be a person that just says, man, I'm so thankful and joyful and grateful today. Okay? Our sinful nature, our flesh, is fighting that. The devil wants us to be nothing but negative. Uh, you know, he wants us to consider that life stinks right now and God's not good to me and look at all these bad things that are happening in my life and, and in, my, you know, in my neighborhood or you know, in our country or whatever. It's just, just really easy to get sucked into negativity. And so counting your blessings and actually considering the positive things and what God has done in your life is, is much easier said than done. It, it takes a mental shift and it takes God's Holy Spirit convicting you and bringing you to this place. Because being negative just seems so much more natural than being positive. If you don't believe me, just get online. Social media, put on by humans mostly, about 90% of posts are negative. They're a rant, frustration, ah, look at this, they're not super positive. In fact, you probably follow social media, you could find negative posts to positive posts 10 to 1. And yet, God would call us to be a people that exude joy, that we would be joyful always, rejoicing always. Paul says in another passage of Scripture in the New Testament, rejoice in the Lord always. And I'll say it again, rejoice for emphasis sake. Because we need that in our lives. We need that to be an example to the world. My aunt, uh, Jo Ellen, uh, she is a corporate coach in Florida, and she's done everything from worked with troubled teens to corporate coaching like ropes courses with businesses and you know, team building, that kind of stuff. And uh, one time I was hanging out with her, and she said, hey, I want to do a little experiment with you, Eric. And she's like, you're, you're big and strong. I'm, I'm way taller and, and stronger than, than she is. She goes, I want you to put out your arms just like this straight in front of you. I want you to try to hold them level and flat as, as best you can. I said, okay. She goes, what I'm going to do is I'm going to say a bunch of negative things about you and then I'm going to try to do something and I want you to just try to keep your arms just straight and level like this as, as best you can. I said, okay. And so she starts, you know, out with you're stupid, you're worthless, God doesn't love you. Um, man, you, you just won't amount to anything. You can't do anything right. I mean, I mean, you're just a mess up. You're a screw. You know, and just negative, 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 negative. She says, now I want you to hold your hands out and, and hold your arms up as, just as strong as you can. Try to resist me. And she comes up and she pushes down on my arms and then my arms just go, I mean, it's real easy. I just, just done. And she says, okay, 
I want you to do the same thing again, okay? I want you to stand here and put your arms out like this. She goes, and now what I'm going to do is I'm going to tell you positive things. I want to tell you God loves you. and He's got a great plan for your life. And you're so useful for the kingdom. And, and you're going to be a leader. And, and, and you have great leadership skills. And you're kind. And you, you really are compassionate. And that passion leads to this. And, and so she goes in with all of these positive comments, positive comments. And, and she's like, all right, now I want you to try it again. Try to resist me. I'm going to try to push your arms down. And it was amazing how much more strength I had. Then my arms only you know, really went down to like here. And the whole point of that experiment was how positivity builds and negativity takes away. How positivity is something that is a builder and negativity is something that will just steal everything in your life. When Dan Wilson was our executive pastor here at Oakwood, he passed away several years ago. And when he was here, one of the things that he told me he always loved was, I love lifters. He'd always use that word lifter. I just love lifters. And I was like, oh, like weight lifters. So you like, you know, big strong guys and strong ladies, you know. And I, you know, he's like, no, 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 not lifters, but you no, know, people that lift others up. People that are just positive. You just want to hang out with them just because they're joyful and they're positive. And that just exudes and builds others up. And they become like an attractional magnet for the kingdom of God, if you think about this. People that are positive, they actually can be useful to the gospel. Because there's so much negativity in the world, they're like a light that shines out in the darkness. I was like, yeah. Maybe that's what, what part of, of the meaning of this is. Is that it, is it we're called to be lifters, and so we're called to be positive people. It's not natural. We're not conditioned this way. It's counterintuitive, but we're called to be a people that is counting their blessings and is considering the negativity that comes into our minds and it also comes out our mouths or out of our fingers sometimes. And I think about that when I think about when you're sharing news with someone. How do you share the news? Hey, I have to tell you what I found out this week. Is it negative or is it positive? And could God redeem those conversations and those circumstances and make it something for you to consider the good in it because what is he doing he's taking all of these factors in your life and he's kneading them together into this dough that he's going to put in the oven and it's going to produce something good in the end we have to have an eternal mindset as christ followers because we're foreigners in this land we are aliens in this world this world is not our home we don't live for the here and now we live for eternity with god in heaven and when you become thankful and mindful of that, it changes everything. And maybe some of the things in this world that seem to matter so much might grow strangely dim in the light of heaven, in the light of God's glory, and in the light of His grace. Counting your blessings is counterintuitive. I think it's something that we need to do. That we, don't, we, that we are lifters and people that elevate and not people that put down. The last thing I want us to consider this morning is that being thankful is a part of our sanctification and growth. Being thankful is a part of our sanctification and growth. What did it say? First Thessalonians 5, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. If he had just stopped there and said, hey, but this is God's will for you. But he doesn't stop there. There's meaning for every word he puts in this verse, and he says that it's only in Christ Jesus. Jesus, you have to be in Christ Jesus. If you are feeling down and out and depressed, if you are feeling, feeling uh, this morning like you're just lost and, and you've lost uh, your way in life, consider that you are not in Christ Jesus. 
And that you need to be in Christ Jesus to get to a place where you feel like I can rejoice always and I will pray continually and I will give thanks in all circumstances because I am trusting in my Lord and Savior, Christ Jesus. Don't lose that. This isn't a try harder. Oh, just try harder. No, 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 no. More in Christ Jesus. You know? Deeper. More time spent. More focus of your life. Your mind's attention, your heart's affection, more focused on Christ Jesus will bring about rejoicing always, talking to God continually, and giving thanks in all of your circumstances. It's a part of our sanctification. That word sanctification is just a big word that means the process of becoming more like Jesus. And when you accept Christ, you accept that process. That every day of your life, you're one step closer into looking more like Jesus. And if you're one of those that you're battling with temptation, you're battling with sin, or just a negative mindset in your life, be released of that in Christ Jesus. Ask for his forgiveness. It says that he is faithful and just, will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. You see, God is accomplishing a work in us. He's accomplishing his mission. He wants thanksgiving in a heart that is full of thanks to not be something that we just observe in November every year as we get up on the Thanksgiving season. No, He wants it to be a lifestyle. That we are a people that, that look to God and, and we count our blessings and we see what He's done. And it's all the motivation we need to rejoice always, to pray continually, and to give thanks in all circumstances in our life. And as God's people, I think God wants our witness and our mission to be a people that are thankful. As we come and we respond to the word this morning, we're going to get to take communion. And hopefully you got the, the cups and, and with the juice and the wafer in them as you came in. If you didn't, feel free to slip out and grab them. They're on the tables in the back. And hopefully if you're online, you've made those preparations every week to have the bread and the cup available to you. This morning is going to be really simple in this time of communion. I think it's got to start with Jesus. It's got to start with the fact that the Son of God, the God of the universe, sends His only Son, His one and only Son, to earth to die a gruesome death and to, to die and be a sacrifice for us. And not just for us, but for all mankind. That He took on the pain and the punishment and the death that we deserve because we're the sinners. And yet God willingly did this. Would that not make you full of thanks? <laughs> Would that not perhaps make you full of gratitude? And this morning as we take the bread that represents his body and the cup that represents his blood, in these elements, we are called to worship. We are called to be thankful. This is a moment where, where Jesus centers us. And then, then maybe when we leave this place, we're a little closer to Him and we're not focused just on the things of this world. We're focused on Him. We're focused on all the blessings He's, he's done. We're going to go get our, our pen and paper out. We're going to make our list and we're going to see, see that the Lord is good. And see that He loves us and see that even those things we don't like, that get thrown into the dough still are used to produce something good in our lives. Let's worship him as we take these emblems together this morning. Please pray with me. Lord God, I thank you for this opportunity we have 
to be a people that express thankfulness even in these elements, even in this moment of communion. We, we are gathered around your table. God, make us thankful. As, God, as we, we have this moment where we are face-to-face with Jesus, we, we call it the Lord's Supper, we're gathered around the Lord's table, we take this, this meal as a memorial meal that remembers His sacrifice. God, I pray, well up in our hearts, gratitude and thanksgiving. And God, that You will just usher in that peace that we need, that peace that we want so bad. You just usher that in through the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross. So in these next few moments, Lord, I, I, I pray as we take this communion, just draw us in and that we would leave as a people that are even more thankful. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you just take a couple minutes right now and commune with the Lord?